0: From Variety, I'm Michael Schneider. TV writer Greg Garcia earned raise for creating shows with quirky but down-to-earth relatable characters such as My Name is Earl and Raising Hope. His latest series, the TBS anthology The Guest Book, introduces new characters every single week. Garcia was inspired by his heavy diet of sitcoms growing up, including the classic The Andy Griffith Show. I, the thing is, is I um,
1: all I did was watch TV growing up. That's yeah. all I did. And and I watched... And, uh, predominantly sitcoms. And so I would get home from school and I would go down to my parents' basement and I would turn on the TV and just start watching. And Andy Griffith was one of those shows, What's Happening, The Jeffersons, Brady Bunch, Happy Days, yeah. and all of them were in reruns at that point. And even I got to the point where right before um, dinner, I had to go up and, and, and I would miss a couple of the shows. So I'd take a cassette recorder and I would record the episodes. So then, after dinner, I could go down and just listen to the audio <laughs> which was like great training yeah. you know in retrospective like kind of blocking and directing a scene because if I just have the audio I kind of have to place everybody in my mind yeah um, so yeah Andy Griffith was was uh, one of the many epi- uh, you know shows that I would watch
0: yeah yeah no it's funny I, I remember so I mentioned TBS that's where I remember watching Andy Griffith on, on TBS yeah so it was sure. like a, 405 on the superstation yeah 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 they always uh,
1: did that 05 you know to, yeah. to trip you up a little bit there. exactly
0: force you to keep watching yeah because
1: they get you to 435 and then you'd be like oh wait i'm not gonna everything else started at 430 i'm all right i'll, I'll just i'll just stick around just,
0: just keep watching all these comedies <laughs> great, and, and brady bunch and, <laughs> and uh, three's company and and all all the, the classics back then
1: yeah for sure you know we were shooting something uh, you know and tbs has certainly changed a lot um you know they they have all kinds of uh uh comedies now and different you know different styles and everything and and uh, we were shooting a scene on the guest book season 1 and uh there was a you know we pushing the envelope in this scene and there was a some uh some uh, a bit of a romance I'll say between uh, a, a a girl and a guy in the front yard of of this party and uh, there was a crew member behind me, uh, an older guy, and I heard him saying to somebody, goes, oh boy, TBS, it used to be Andy Griffith in and the Braves games. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't think they show Andy Griffith anymore.
0: I don't think so either. I, maybe on uh, you know, one of the other, uh, in, uh, they have all those other uh, yeah, classic have, like, TV we, networks me, now. Me, me TV. TV or something like that, Yeah, you
1: catch all the, I think so, something like that. Yeah, but, uh, yeah.
0: so so there's still a home somewhere for, for the black and whites. Yeah, but. and
1: the other thing, too, I think for, for me and Andy Griffith also, was like, I would go over to my grandparents' house after school a lot, and they lived a couple blocks from me. And my grandfather thought that Don Knotts was the funniest person ever to walk the planet. And, uh, and so I really enjoyed watching that with him and just hearing him laugh and just get such a good kick out of it. So there's a lot of nostalgia right there as well. And when I came out to Los Angeles, I was a production assistant on the show, Step by Step, with uh, Patrick Duffy and mm-hmm. Suzanne Summers. And we had Don Knotts uh, on the show. And he was in a sheriff outfit, and uh, and we had this uh, jail set, and I got in the jail, and he stood in front of me, and I took a picture, and that was my Christmas card oh, wow. that year. And unfortunately, my grandfather was no longer with us, but uh, I knew that if he would have seen that, he would have just lost his lost his mind. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, and that that's great that you got a moment with Don Knotts. Uh... Oh, it was
1: great, you know. In fact, you know Don, and Don's eyes were were not what they used to be, you know. And um, we had the I had to my job was to go get a script printed with really large. Uh, typeface and so then at the table read everybody was like turning their scripts like you normally would and and uh, he's turning his on like a, just a fevered pace because he's only got about four or five words on each page yeah. and stuff and uh and we had to give a new script every um every day and what he didn't understand was that we um we were giving a whole new script to him he thought we were going to try to put pages together which you often do on shows as well you just get new pages and and I went down to his dressing room because there was a problem. And he had the entire script just spread out all over the floor. And he's like, I don't know. I got two number twos and two number threes. And I'm trying to figure it out. And I spent a good deal with him just cleaning that up and explaining what we are doing. And he got it right away. And it was a, it was definitely a dream come true to, to hang out with him for a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and save Don knots. So. Yes, and save him a little bit. Yeah. Right? I'm Michael Schneider, and on this edition of the podcast, we talk to the guest book creator, Greg Garcia, about what's new in season two of his TBS comedy. Plus, he shares stories of what it was like working with Cloris Leachman on Raising Hope, and the embarrassing time he met his idol, Jerry Seinfeld, and it didn't go quite as planned. And, of course, we talk about his favorite TV series of all time, The Andy Griffith Show. It's my favorite episode. My favorite episode's about to start. Cause you're my favorite episode. My, my favorite, favorite episode. episode. Coming real, is the next episode. The Andy Griffith Show ran for eight seasons between 1960 and 1968, producing 249 episodes. Griffith, of course, starred as Mayberry Sheriff Andy Taylor, while Don Knotts was his bumbling deputy, Barney Fife, and Ron Howard was his young son, Opie, plus Francis Bavier was Andy's Aunt Bee, who helped the widow Andy raise his son. But Mayberry was also populated with a colorful cast of townspeople, and for a young Greg Garcia, it was a rare appearance by the eccentric Ernest T. Bass that made for his favorite episodes of the series. When we asked the TV creator to pick his favorite TV episode of all time, he zeroed in on those five Ernest T. Bass appearances. So I gave you some homework, Greg. Yes, I asked you, uh, you know, your your favorite TV episode or episodes of all time, and I love your answer because it's kind of kind of on brand to some degree. I
1: guess it kind of is. I didn't even think about it. You know, my answer was any Andy Griffith sh- uh, uh, episode with. Um Ernest T. Bass.
0: Ernest night. T. Bass.
1: Because, you know, that show, first of all, uh, it's got to be my favorite television show. Um, you of know, all great, time? Yeah, of all yeah. time. I mean, there's so many great TV yeah. shows. It's hard to answer, especially for a guy who loves TV and has watched so much TV, both comedy, drama, everything. I just, I love it, you know? So it's like asking, I guess, a chef, like, what's your favorite meal? It's hard to, it's yeah. hard to pin it down. but. yeah. Andy Griffith, you know, I watched it as a kid, so it's nostalgic. And then also it's just to me the perfect show. You know, you've got you've got this small town and you've got this guy at the center who's the heart of the show. He's not necessarily funny, but then they surround him with very funny people. Yeah and then you get to meet the people in the town slowly and it just becomes this world, you know? And um and I love all the father son stuff between Andy and Opie and um and so I've always enjoyed it. And Ernest T. Bass was my favorite of those crazy characters. I just knew when he was going to be an episode, it was just going to be a nutty, fun episode. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And and in some ways, uh, almost a departure from some of the other comedy on that show, right? I mean, yeah. this was almost more... Like absurdist,
1: it was. It was, and, it was and, and I think that's what I liked. It was just the unexpectedness of like this character, and then like you know, and he comes. And he just, I mean, he's so random. He just throws rocks through windows, and then just says, "Look at me, look at me, I'm Ernest <laughs> T." And he runs away. Yeah. And at first, you're like, "Who is this guy?" But then you start to get to know him, and then there's like love stories with him. And- Charlene, look out here! Can you see me? <laughs> I see ya. Good. Charlene, you ain't never given me a chance to court you proper to prove to you that I'm the man for you. First off, I want to serenade you. Okay, Ernest T. Serenade away. All right. Listen. All Lamper jump in the fire, fire too hot, jump in the pot, pot too black, jump in the crack, crack too high, jump in the sky, sky too blue, jump in canoe, canoe too shallow, jump in the tallow, Towel too soft, jump in the loft, loft too rotten, jump in the cotton, cotton too white, she stayed there all night. <laughs> Tell him it was good. That's good, Ernest T. Now you want to hear me sing, eating goober peas? <laughs> I like uh, I like that too is is creating like a character that's so kind of nutty and it just seems like that's all they are and then you get dig deeper as you go along, and you do more episodes, and you start to learn that you know, oh, there's a person in there, and 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 so that's fun for me. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I went back and watched the very first episode that he appeared on. because see he was only on five episodes. Yeah, from, it wasn't a lot. And a yeah. and
1: guy that was only on five episodes left such a lasting mark on yeah. me. He says a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and on culture, uh, I was reading up. I guess like there are some uh, uh, science uh, uh, groups that actually have Ernest T. Bass Day, where they <laughs> They, they, they examine rocks, like uh, pe- people who love rocks oh, wow. have adopted Ernest T. Bass as sort of their patron com- comedic That's character.: I, suppose. I haven't taken it that far.: yeah. But Maybe
1: I need to look into that, and see what I'm missing in life.
0: But it's funny you watch that first episode and you can tell like okay this was a one-off but there was something there he must have been a phenomenon at the time and they realized this is a character who we can play with and bring back and immediately some of the traits that you see in that first episode became the 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 ongoing traits of this character like throwing rocks in windows
1: Yeah and and a guy named uh Howard Morris I believe played the played the role and you know and I've had that situation before where you bring on somebody for one episode and then you're like Oh my god, they got to they got to come back. This is like, you know, this is yeah. a, either because the fans talk about it so much or you just know why you're shooting it. The chemistry is great and you you you've really uh, got something there. Yeah.
0: Um any other sort of heroes co- comedy heroes that you've uh, you know worked with through the years that were sort of bucket list uh
1: Yeah, I think so. I mean, uh Jerry Seinfeld for me early on was somebody that I really admired. I, I when I was in the 5th grade, We had a substitute teacher, and she came in uh, for a couple days. And up until that point, I had just kind of been told by teachers to be quiet. I got my seat moved to the back of the room. I was always trying to make jokes, and nobody was really—at least the adults weren't laughing at them. And the second or third day we had the substitute teacher, she came in, and she said, "Uh, I saw a guy that reminded me of you last night on The Tonight Show. His name's Jerry Seinfeld. Well, I didn't know what The Tonight Show was or who Jerry Seinfeld was, but that Christmas I got a— TV for my room, a black and white TV. And I started watching it at night when my parents thought I was asleep. And I there was one speaker on the side of it. And I would roll up a magazine and put it to my ear and kind of put it to the speaker so I could watch without them hearing. And I would watch The Tonight Show. And I kept looking for this guy, Jerry Seinfeld, to come back on. And sure enough, after a few months, he did go back on. And I watched him. And I just got this sense of like confidence that, wow, an adult said that something i said reminded her of this guy this guy's hilarious and so i kind of kept watching his career go along you know and finding him and 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 there was a there was kind of a i don't know a bond i had with this person i've never met in my life and and so then not long ago i got to meet him um i bought tickets to some uh thing at an auction where i get to do a meet and greet yeah and I went down, and I met him afterwards, and it did not go wonderful. No? I, well, I mean, you know, I, I had the story in my head down to like a tight two minutes, and I thought, you know, okay, I'll just tell this story. And I wanted to like bury the lead. I didn't want to say that I actually got into TV. I just wanted to tell him that he kind of inspired me and then tell that part because I felt it was a better story that way. uh uh-huh. And he's taking pictures with people, and he's doing it real quick, and they move on because, you know, he only has so much time. And I'm letting people go in front of me because uh, I'm thinking, well, I have a story to tell, you know. So I'm letting people go in front of me, and we're in Vegas, and we've just seen the show. And then I look behind me, and in walks the door. In walks Phil Rosenthal, mm-hmm. who I know through other people yeah. and stuff. And I said, Phil, what are you doing here? He goes, I'm here to see Jerry. I'm here to see Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to get my picture taken with Jerry. And I'm pretty like, good, Phil. Well, yeah, thank you. we're working on it. <laughs> and uh, uh, you know, if you ever, ever gets sick, I can do, uh, do a uh, food show uh, exactly. for, for the day. But, or looping, maybe ADR. Right? ADR. Yeah. So I said, well, why don't you go in front of me because I got a story I want to tell Jerry Seinfeld. And he goes, oh, no, I want to see that. I want to see you tell a story to Jerry. <laughs> Jerry hates people.
0: He's going to hate that.
1: <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, okay, great, great, great. All right, you watch me make a fool of myself. So I got up there, and I, and I, and I shook Jerry's hand, and I said, listen, I want to tell you a story. And he gets this look on his face, which I can only imagine when you're doing these things, and somebody says they want to tell you a story, you just it's want like, to get out oh of there. No. You did a show, and I get it a hundred percent. And This like fear overtakes him, and I just said, I said, and he go, and I go, oh, I go, I promise it'll it'll be it'll be short, and uh, you know, and he goes, uh, I can't do it as well with Jerry as Jerry as as Phil, but he's you know, he says like, huh, oh, short, sure, short's sure, not my concern. Is it good? You know, I I tell stories for a living. It better be good, and I wanted to say like. Yeah, I tell stories for a living too, but I didn't want—I wanted Barry. Yeah, so leaf. he
0: didn't know you at this point. He didn't recognize you as.
1: No, as... he wouldn't know me regardless. I don't think. And so I said, I said, no, 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 it's good, it's good. I, I, I promise. And I start to tell the story, and as I'm telling the story, I feel like I got to make it shorter, and I'm cutting all the charm out of it. I'm yeah. taking the jokes out, and I'm just—I don't know what I'm saying. And my wife's standing next to me, and the whole time Phil's standing behind me, and he's going. Jerry, you're talking to Greg Garcia. That's Greg Garcia. Now, Jerry has no idea what that means. I don't even think he knows who Phil is. I'm just a guy telling this short story with another guy over my shoulder like a hype man. Yeah. I finally finished it. Jerry says something like, well, congratulations. Let's take a picture. And he, I said, this is my wife. He goes, oh, good. Let's put your wife in between us, <laughs> which I think he'd had enough of me. <laughs> so, you know, that was that. I shook his head. I got my picture. And and, and my wife afterwards said, uh, you don't like how that works. Went did, did you and I said, No, you know what? Either I wanted it to be like just awkward and crazy like that or I wanted him to say, Let's go have dinner afterwards. Anything in between is kinda of boring. So yeah. so it worked out all right. But that was that was a big one for me, having grown up kind of thinking about and watching his comedy for so long
0: and now you'll never watch an episode of seinfeld again no i'm
1: done with him now i'm done with him and uh yeah yeah i think he's lost it anyway so no i'm kidding um
0: but, yeah but it was
1: a great thrill to meet him
0: i mean you had a show on thursday nights at nbc just like him you guys have something in I common did,
1: i did i've had a few shows what's that guy got yeah. one two if you count him driving around getting coffee with people i mean come on yeah
0: seriously that was that was on crackle you're on tbs exactly. come
1: on yeah, come on already this yes this is you're right, I you're, like the way you're, you think. you're still
0: on basic cable yes. what's, what's what's that guy got going on these days <laughs> um that's funny well uh so 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 speaking of sort of influences and classic t v uh there is so much uh I feel like you got from watching those shows those those classic sitcoms that apply to the kinds of comedies that you do. It's all about the ensemble, it's all about these characters yeah. and can can you trace that back to being inspired by these shows? Growing yeah, definitely.
1: Up? I think that everything you watch is going to influence you in some way, you know. And so you start to see kind of a pattern of how they tell stories and how they develop characters. And I think that all really helped to form a base. When I sat down in college, uh, I took this writing class just on a whim, a TV writing class. And when I sat down to write a Cheers back, I just found that like it was all in me you know it was just i I didn't read a book about how to do it i didn't really think about it too hard i just sat down to try to write the characters and it was like it kind of felt like i'm just realizing now like with the karate kid when mr miyagi is teaching him how to paint and and wash the car and whatever now it's time to actually fight somebody and he's he just it's muscle memory and it kind of felt like that to me in a way it was just like Oh well, I I know how a story works. I know how you know the story made me feel, and and where there was a twist and a turn and what have you. So um so I think uh you know practically for writing uh it was just the constant like what they say you know you to be great at something you have to put in ten thousand hours. I think I put in ten thousand hours of watching television, yeah. which doesn't always work out for everybody. <laughs> you know I know a lot of people that put in their ten thousand hours of watching television and. Uh, they maybe should have been doing something right, else, right? Right? But... Right? And
0: just stick with watching. And <laughs> yeah, and yeah. That's the not... other
1: thing that was interesting too is like that, like, like like when I say this thing about Jerry Seinfeld and that woman saying something to me, the teacher, and and there was also like little things along the way that I think kind of boosted my confidence or made me feel like oh this could this could happen someday, like this is could be realistic. One of the other funny stories that happened to me was. I would watch The Brady Bunch all the time, like every single episode of The Brady Bunch I've seen a million times. And one day I'm sitting in Arlington, Virginia, and I'm in my backyard just kicking the soccer ball around. And I knew that some people had moved in behind us, and but I didn't know who they were. I hadn't seen them yet. And I look over the fence, and in the backyard doing something is Jenny Piccolo from... Oh, I'm sorry. From Happy Days. I'm I'm in Happy Days, not Brady Bunch. I'm sorry. That was that was my mistake. Same era. Yes, yes. And I've seen every episode of Happy Days. It was Ginny Piccolo from Happy Days, and I was just like blown away. She had married a dentist and moved to Arlington, Virginia, and she was my neighbor in the backyard. And I was terrified to talk to her. I would uh, in our in our little sunroom that was up against the backyard i would play happy days on the piano if she was out in her backyard <laughs> just in case you heard hear, yeah i could yeah. hear her like laugh or something but it was just a moment of like oh wait these are real people you know this is just not in my television and it was just one of those things uh, i think that 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 got me thinking even more about like gosh i'd like to do this someday yeah yeah how old were you at that point oh i was probably 11 years old oh, or wow, 12 so. years old or something like yeah. that yeah 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 I think I was thinking of the Brady Bunch because I got to work with Marcia Brady last season on the guest book and that was another like amazing thrill for me. Another bucket list. Uh... Oh, it was just like are you kidding me? This is this is crazy. And she was great and became I became friendly with her. She actually came out to our premiere of this musical i did on broadway she came out to the premiere and people were like people lose their minds when she, she's yeah. around i mean she means so much to people yeah
0: yeah tv royalty to oh, some absolutely. degree so um that's great i mean you've you've had that experience a, a number of times now in, in working with uh you know people bringing that you know guest casts on or what have you uh you know people who were you know stars 20 years ago that now you're in their life yeah
1: no it's 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 cool it's cool and I'm, I'm i'm lucky like a lot of people ask me like well who's the worst person you ever worked with they want to hear that and I, I have it would be such a short list that i couldn't even come up with it i mean it's been it's been such a pleasure and, and early on i would um i'd be i'd kind of fan out and like always have like something for them to sign you know and then it got to be ridiculous and my wife was like you have to stop collecting these things but i was just so thrilled by it you know and i'd love to just uh, you know especially early on you know now i leave people alone but like i gotta get a picture i gotta do this because i'm just growing up with tv i can't believe i'm doing it yeah i can't i mean even the first episode of tv i ever wrote was um a show called on our own which had all the smallettes and a lot of them are doing things now yeah i remember that show it's like tgif show right tgif show and it was all the smallettes there was a bunch of them and uh, and then this comedian named Ralph Harris, and he played their uh, oldest brother who would dress up like their aunt so they could all stay together. It was like a Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, conceit kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I just remember the first episode I wrote, I remember sitting in this house I was renting with a bunch of people in Hermosa Beach, and I turned on the TV, and I just couldn't stop smiling and freaking out that, like, the people in the TV were saying what I wrote. Yeah. Like, after after just worshiping this, this, this colorful box in my parents' basement for so long. And I still don't get over that. It's still a kick for me. It's just, it's just the greatest job ever.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's been interesting to watch the progression of, of your career and and the shows that you do. And it feels like the experimentation as you're pushing the boundaries of the kinds of comedy that you do, especially, Um, you know, what's, what's that been like over the years in, in moving from multi-camera traditional comedy to experimenting with some single cam and and leading all the way up to the the guest book which is total experimentation with anthology and and the kinds of things that you're you're pulling off now it's
1: been a hoot really i mean yeah i started in multi-cam just because that's kind of that was well that was what was big at the time there weren't single camera comedies when i started and and you know i started with that show on our own and then family matters and you know and i really and that was what I grew up watching as well, you know. I mean, other than, you know, Andy Griffith was a single-camera comedy and stuff. But
0: but kind of acted like a multi-camera. Yeah, exactly.
1: And so um, so that's all I knew in the beginning. And I loved it and I enjoyed it. And it was such a great way to work and, and, and collaborative with all these writers, which was fun. And, and so then, you know, what happened for me was all these shows like Arrested Development came on and Bernie Mac and Yes Dear was ending its run. And... I thought to myself, well, I'd like to work on these shows. I like these single-camera shows. I still like multicam, but I like these single-camera shows, and they seem to be taken off, and they, they, creatively they look fun. I like the way they look. And, but I knew that having worked on what I'd worked on and then doing Yes Dear for six seasons... People weren't going to jump and just go, "Oh yeah, well, you can definitely write a single camera comedy. I get that i mean and 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 you even I'm guilty of that i'll I'll look at somebody's resume and I'm like, "I don't know, are they right for this particular show you know, which is crazy because anybody can you know switch and pivot and write different things, but it's just the reality, you know I still go through that today when yeah. I go out and pitch a new show to Maybe you know certain uh, certain uh, places that see themselves a certain way because of the shows they do, and they may look back on my stuff and go, "But is he right for us?" You know, and so you're constantly fighting that. So my thought at the time was, "I'm going to write My Name Is Earl just as a spec script and just to show to these people like I can do a single camera comedy." And I sat down and I wrote it, and it ended up just sitting on a shelf for a year. But then uh, ultimately NBC wanted to do it, and so that's when I got to. Really do the single camera stuff and fall in love with that, you know, just uh, the the way it's directed and the process and the idea of being able to shoot one episode over one whole week rather than four hours in front of an audience where you're really under the gun, you know, time-wise. Yeah, uh, you'd shoot. You shoot a scene and then, you know, you want to give like 12 notes, but you can only give six because, you you, you know, you, you, you can only do so much at one time. Whereas the single camera, I love the idea of like, oh, we're just going to we're just going to shoot this until we get it perfect yeah. the way we want. At least what we see is perfect and then move on. So and then Raising Hope was a was 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 a cousin to my name is Earl, right. really, you know, just a different kind of setting and, and whatnot. And then, um, and then you mentioned the guest book, which has been an absolute dream because it's a different show basically every week. You get to do just a little movie, um, and and that's been a blast.
0: Well, about Earl and and raising hope since they came around the same time, so they're they're, they're almost like the uh, like you said cousins. Yeah, uh, you were doing. You know, there's there's a lot of talk now about well, you know, is is TV not covering middle America? Is it not covering the every person? And you were doing that ten fifteen years ago. Um, what do you make of of this sort of hand wringing now? Are we are we doing enough to capture the the authentic voice of of middle America on television? I,
1: I'd like to see more of it. I'll be honest with you; it's always what I've been drawn to. Yeah, um, I've always tried very hard that when I portray. Um, uh, those Those people, and there 's a lot of those people um that I do so, and I find the humor, but I do so with 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 care and love, yeah um, because um these are that 's where I grew up these are these are my folks, you know these are my people and 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 I hope that uh, I do a good job of of showing um, finding comedy of their lives, but also finding all the relatable stuff people can. can can relate to. And I I just, I wish there was more of it. It's it's
0: affectionate. And, and you've done it without bringing politics into it, which is the difference from a lot of shows now that are sort of. Yeah. Now it's just
1: like, you know, my feeling with that is just like you get politics all day long. You just can't escape it, you know, and you're going to get it in conversations with people. You're going to get it on TV. You're going to get it everywhere. And when I sit down at the end of the day to watch something just for pure entertainment, I'm not personally. I'm not interested in it. I'm not interested in hearing politics at that point of my day, and so yes, my stuff. I try very hard to steer away from that. I don't really talk about it. Also, I think that you know you can be red state or you can be blue state. I don't think you're going to watch my shows and get offended. Now, look, there are certainly things that I'll push the boundaries with religion and ask questions, and I'll do things. You know, my name is Earl. Um, you know that first episode. Was about homophobia. That's that's what it was about, and um, and and I actually got. It was funny because I got a um, very angry email from a guy that was a writer on Arrested Development that that was um, very offended by the pilot, and uh, and we had a long discussion. I called him on the phone. We had a long discussion, and he told me that it was it was. Um, it was, you know, uh, the whole thing was homophobic and, you know, not not that I was dealing with homophobia, but the whole episode was homophobic and this whole thing. And, and I explained to him what I was trying to do and, and, and he really wasn't listening to me. And I got really worried because I was like, gosh, am I not portraying what I want to portray here? And um, but then I won the GLAAD award for it. And I was like, OK, good. OK, good. This, so this, this is this is OK. But yeah. it was just an example of like I wanted to take an issue and not just sugarcoat it, um, but really, show what these two guys how they would affect if they were meeting um uh somebody that 's homosexual for the first time, and they actually they literally run out of the house of, with fear and I think that 's what this this guy had had such a problem with but then then they overcome that and they learn a little something and that that 's what I wanted to do with that show, and we did that a few times with different um different things is kind of hide a few messages in there right. in an unlikely um, package, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And, and, and you know, it's it's honest. And you're also very affectionate toward these characters, uh, all of these characters. Uh, you know, they're, they're a lot of them are larger than life uh, on all these shows, yeah. uh, including Grandma on uh, Raising Hope. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> but I think what, like, not unlike Ernest T. Bass, you know, somebody like Ma-Ma by Clor- Cloris Leachman on Raising Hope or Jamie Presley on My Name is Earl. It's fun to like put them out there and see how crazy they are and then hopefully you do the show long enough that you can really develop a relationship with these people and see the other side of them too and the heart. I remember on My Name is Earl we were about like five or six episodes in and Jamie's you know, character of Joy was hilarious and funny and she was always yelling at Earl and doing crazy things and about five or six episodes in I was like alright well now let's, let's, let's find out what makes her tick let's let's show her vulnerable and we did this episode about her her uh, her wedding with uh, the crab man and um and it was very sweet and it was touching and she was amazing in it and it just showed you that next level of her so then it was even more fun i think to show her crazy and doing crazy things because you're like oh oh, i see but there's this vulnerability to her and that's that's where a lot of this is coming
0: from yeah yeah now chloris leachman was the toughest uh person to wrangle right oh my god (laughs)
1: chloris i absolutely love chloris to death and she is a absolute kook and so much fun to work with and um just just hanging out with her was a blast you know And, and and i've told this story before but she you know she would lick me She would just come to set and lick me on the back of my neck and and just hoot and holler and think that was the funniest thing in the world. And you really never knew what she was going to do. But at the same time, you couldn't discount her at all because – you know, you could think like, oh, she's just talking. She's crazy. What is she doing in there? She's looking for attention or she's just being nuts. But then like, oh, wait a second. They, I remember one scene. They were like, she wants to crawl under the table for this scene. I'm like, what is she? Why crawl under the table is my first thought. What? Are, and then I went in there and she explained to me why. And I was like, oh, that's a million times funnier. Yes, yeah. crawl under the table. Do do that for sure. And uh, I was very fortunate to, uh, to, to have spent uh, a lot of time with her. Um, one of my favorite stories with her is that she um, she came and saw my son's uh, high school production of uh, Young Frankenstein mm-hmm. and they were thrilled to have her there you know it was just like oh my gosh yeah. Cloris Leachman is here and uh the, the the top of the second act there was a number and the kid was struggling a little bit uh with it and afterwards I I clapped and I looked over and her hands were in her lap and I looked over at her to see if she was going to clap and she just looked at me and she said I think not <laughs> <laughs> So, Cloris, you always knew where you stood yeah. with Chloris. You always know where you stand.
0: I once did a panel with her at the SAG Foundation, yeah. and uh, there was a man in the back in a wheelchair, a very elderly man, probably, like, almost 90, with his nurse. Yeah. And it was time for Q&A, and he eventually raises his hand, and he says, do you remember me? And she's like, is that? And she says his name, and he's like, Yeah, we had an affair fifty years ago. You remember that? And they start to go back and forth remembering this torrid, like Oh my god, extramarital affair that they had together. And then at the end of the 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 panel she looked around, she's like, All right, is someone gonna take me out to dinner now? She's just looking at the audience, like, is someone gonna buy her dinner? Yeah. She's a
1: hoot. Like she'll be at restaurants and she just walks around and takes food off people's plates. I mean, I think she likes to have a good time and let everybody know she's there. I remember when we did the T C A for Raising Hope. She stood up, she just took over the whole thing. And she stood up and she's going crazy. But, and then people, I remember one executive at 20th was like so upset about it. And she was like, that was a, that was a mess. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was amazing. That's With what? Boris Leachman. People are sitting here all day long asking the same questions. And here we are coming on board and we have this TV legend. Right. And she's acting like a nut and just having fun. It was the best yeah, thing ever. Yeah, that's what people will remember. Yes, that's what people up, are going to talk about. It shakes up the day.
0: Yeah. No. Absolutely. Total icon. You mentioned Crab Man, who uh, is kind of like your good luck charm now. Uh. Love
1: Eddie. Love Eddie. Eddie. Um, yeah, he's been in. Uh, he was in My Name Is Earl. He was in some episodes of Raising Hope. As soon as I decided to do the guest book, I created this character, named it Eddie, so there'd be no mistaking that it was going <laughs> yeah. to be Eddie Steeples. Yeah. Um, and he's been great. He was in, like, I think seven of the first ten episodes, and he's in eight of the ten this year. He was going to be in all ten, but I just had a little storyline where he had to disappear for a little bit. Mm-hmm. But um, he's just the nicest, most mellow, charming guy, you know? And and, and I, I, there's something about, like, when you when you work with certain actors and you have such a good time that you're just – chomping at the bit to write them something next because you know that that day on set is going to be a, is, is going to be fun yeah you know so he definitely has been a good luck charm for me and i hope to uh yeah i hope to work with him for many years
0: yeah yeah well will he be the continuing thread i think
1: he will be you know i mean with this guest book it's 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 you know you you don't you don't know 100 percent what's going to happen from season to season because you know first season was in the mountains. And when I first pitched the show to TBS, I said, uh, all I had was a bunch of short stories that I'd written in people's guest books. And I said, just pitching it, I was like, look, it could be in the mountains one year. It could be on the beach the next year. The next season, it could be in a high rise in New York. You know, who knows? We could move around. Yeah, It was just part of the pitch. And then we did season one, and it worked out, and the ratings were were good, and they were very happy with it. And I loved the characters and the mountain setting, and we built the sets, and I'd already written two episodes that took place in the mountains before they called me and picked up season two. And they said, hey, let's go to the beach, like you said. Oh,
0: so they wanted to move. Cause, yeah. Because I would think usually they're like, don't mess with this. No, the you would are good. think that,
1: right? And yeah. I got a little, I got a little nervous. And I was like, well, I know I said that, but like kind of it's working what if we you know what if we what if we we mess it up and they go no 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 we think it would be great and 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 it'll be fun to do a whole new world and for the longevity of the show after you know hopefully for years and years and years it's it stands apart that it'd be different yeah i got all that but i was still nervous and then you also have to these people that you're working with you have to call them and say that we're going to shake it up which is a horrible thing to have to do and 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 it um, and so then I started to think about season two, and I thought, well, Eddie would be a great person to bring along, so there's a little bit of consistency, and yeah. then, as I was breaking the stories, I thought, well, gosh, this one character i have it would be actually better if it was carly Gibson, and that she's come to the beach as well and then, then i started thinking like well maybe everybody comes to the beach i'm like well that's not different anymore you right know? So right you well it's
0: see. it's, it's laverna Shirley, right Where yeah. everyone moves <laughs> exactly. from milwaukee to la so i
1: couldn't do as much as i wanted to but i did definitely bring those two along and i and i feel like um, it feels like those, they would be our thread, you know, throughout. And But I, I, I hesitate saying anything for sure because, you know, I haven't had any talks with TBS and you never know what's going to happen. But, uh, but it certainly, you know, even when I was telling people about season two and they were like, oh, I love the show. And, and you know, and the cabin was cool and the characters. And I go, oh, yeah, well, we're doing it again. But we're going to be at the beach and it's new characters. And they'd get this look on their face like. What are you doing? <laughs> and I get nervous, and uh, and and so, but I think we did a pretty good job of keeping the same tone, and we and we do like all the characters from season one come back uh, at least for one episode in season two, and 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 a couple other people show up, you know, a re- reoccurring guest, Michael Rappaport was in. Uh, Season one, and he comes back in season two. So I think it's going to be fun from season to season to um, to see some people that have stayed in the house come back as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and obviously episode by episode, uh, the tone can change. Um, Yeah, which is great,
1: you know, because it can be a completely different. I tell directors that too, um, of just like, hey, there's no set look for this show. You know, make it your own, and let's just have fun with it. There was one episode um, this season, I think it's episode five, when I turned it in. Everybody was like, "Man, this is dark. This is like really dark. How are you going to make this funny?" And I was like, "Well, we'll make it funny, but that's our that's our dark one. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's you, that's going to be the dark one."
0: There's there's quite a bit of death, um, yeah. <laughs> throughout the, the the season. There is, so you know, at one
1: point I thought one thing was one thing was going to die in every episode as I was writing it, yeah. and I was like, at a certain point I thought, well, maybe I should have something die, like even if a plant just dies in one episode. So there's that theme, but but uh, yeah, there is there is a lot of death, but uh, hopefully it's done in a way that uh, is funny and also I think with with the amount of death and other things that happen in the show, I do find that season two ends up having uh, more heart than season one. Mm-hmm. I still think we push the envelope and we'll 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 find some fun twists and turns to stories. But I I found more episodes at the end of season two, um, kind of leaving you with a little bit more thought and emotion than than perhaps in season one.
0: Well, you uh, I also asked you for your favorite episode of season two, and you picked two oh four. Uh, which is sort of the, the flashback episode. It is,
1: yeah. It's a flashback episode where we learn some stuff about our main characters and how they got into some predicaments that they're in. But it's also an episode that I had written in a guest book a long time ago, and it was probably the longest story I ever wrote in someone's guest book. And it wasn't particularly funny. It was just kind of sweet and and sad. And um, and so I was I was. Uh, I was anxious to do this one as 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 an episode of TV and figure out how to do it and kind of shrink some of it down because it was pretty long when I wrote it in the guest book, and it's about uh, it's about uh, this older guy who comes to uh, town to surprise his nephew. He's ninety years old. It's played played by Paul Dooley, amazing actor. Mm -hmm. You know, father and Breaking Away and Sixteen Candles and. I mean, whatever. I mean, name it. He's been right. a million fantastic character, a right million there. things, yeah. and and he comes to um, see his nephew and to basically tell them that he tell him that he's dying, and he surprises his nephew in the middle of his nephew about to have a uh, birthday party where they're going to have this big uh, ecstasy party at mm-hmm. the beach, and uh, and then he kind of gets forced into that world for a little bit, and and it's what makes it my favorite episode. I think is. I think um, style-wise, I had a lot of fun directing it. I think I got to do some stuff that I haven't really been able to do in the past with the camera, and um, our DP uh, was amazing, and we had a lot of fun with that. And then also... It it ended up having a lot of heart, you know, uh, for me in that show. And so the combination of those things, I think, uh, made it rise to the top for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, the other another episode that you mentioned that uh, I also enjoyed, partly because the the actors are so amazing, is uh, episode 10. Yeah. The, the episode with uh, Michael Kenneth Williams. And, uh, and Matt Walsh, uh, Matt Walsh from Beep, yeah. and Oliver Hudson. Yes. Um, that's also a little bit of a departure. That
1: was, a, that was definitely a departure because they, you know, I wrote that one second, um, just because I, uh, I just had it in my head and I wanted to write it and I didn't know where it would fit in in the season. And it's an episode that has to take so much uh, place in the guest book. There's really not room to do anything with the regulars, and I mean in the guest house yeah. that that uh, you can't do stuff with the regulars. So I ended up putting it last, almost like a like a bonus, like episode. a coda, Yeah, to, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like if it was a British show, it would be like the Christmas episode mm-hmm. they call it or whatever, right? Yeah. And it was definitely a, a departure because uh, it, it 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 explores, you know religion and 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 all kinds of things and I, when I gave that to the I didn't give it to the studio and network until the end of the season or close to the end because because I was still working a little bit and I knew it was gonna be the last episode and yeah that was one where they were like whoa this is this is way different yeah <laughs> this is this is this is different and I'm like I'm like yeah 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 but I think it's gonna be good and they were a little concerned I think about like you know it feels like they were worried that people would think like the season ended on episode nine because there's a lot of closure in episode nine for all the regulars. And then this is kind of like a bonus. And I was like, well, just you just you just tell them at the end of nine, there's another one next week. That seems easy. Enough. Right. Right. <laughs> you know, and everybody sets their DVR anyway. It's just It'll gonna, still be in the queue. Yeah. yeah. It's just going to pick it up. But uh, that was a fun one. And, and working with Matt Walsh and Michael K. Williams was a little intimidating for me thinking about it because i love matt walsh on veep and Mm -hmm. i think he's just a comic genius and you know and such a great guy you know when you have somebody that's so good at improv coming in too that you're like gosh you know i wonder if they're thinking like what they are thinking will be better than what's in the script anyway because you've seen him say so many funny things and then michael k williams i was such a huge fan of the wire and to know that omar's coming in (laughs) i have to direct him for two days we only had two days with him because of his schedule we had to cram a lot in and and then they both come in, and they're both like the nicest, sweetest guys yeah. you've ever met. They just worked with each other on Ghostbusters, so they knew each other from that. Oh, that's cool! And yeah. and all of a sudden, it just all of that anxiety um, gets wiped away, and then just gets replaced with excitement. And yeah. we had such a great time.
0: I always love seeing Michael K. Williams in a comedy because uh, yeah. he still brings that intensity uh, you know he was on Community for a while Yeah, and, and he's done other shows too and yeah it's, and this it's, was
1: a role where I was like you know because somebody you know so, as often you have discussions and I'm like this is my number one guy for this role and they're like oh you know he, I mean he's brilliant is he funny I'm like first of all he doesn't have to be funny like, like he doesn't have to he doesn't have to try to act funny right. you know the things he'll say will be funny even if he's even if he's totally, you know, that menacing guy we've always seen, yeah, which, yeah. He, which he wasn't. He played a different character. But, uh, you know, I've always felt like if somebody's a great actor, you know, I don't care if they've done any comedy at all. Like, that's up to me then. You know, like, that's yeah. up to me to make the words funny and the situation funny and what have you. And if they're a great actor, I have no concerns about yeah. that. Yeah. You know, Garrett Dillahunt on Raising Hope. You know, he was coming off Deadwood, and everybody was like, oh, you know, is he is he a comedy guy? And I'm like, it doesn't matter. And the funny thing is, is before that, he had just done comedies, and people were saying, is he a drama guy when he was starting to do yeah. drama?
0: Yeah, and I think, honestly, after Raising Hope, people were starting to say again, oh, wait, he's doing drama now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's a sign of a good actor when he's you can an, go that guy's amazing. back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. So anything uh, coming up that you're excited about?
1: Um, gosh, you know, right now I'm just really excited about the guest book. I mean, you know, we're premiering on October 23rd and, and I just love doing this show so much, uh, both of, both because of what it is and what I get to do and also the people that I get to work with that. I'm just hoping, you know, look, it's crowded out there. You know, we were the number one new cable comedy last year and I still run into people all the time. They're like, "What are you up to?" And I'm like, is "This the show the guest book." They're like, "I don't know what is that. I've never heard of it." <laughs> it's tough, yeah, it's you're right. It's tough, you yeah. know, and so so I'm just hoping that enough people watch it and enjoy it that they call me, you know, sometime in November and say, "Start writing season 3 because uh I just if I could do literally if I could just do this sh- show for the next 10 years, I'd be Happy as yeah, can be. I yeah. would be fulfilled creatively. I get to work with my friends and, and hopefully I'd be making some people out there happy and entertaining them in the process. So right now, I'm concentrating on that and uh and I got jury duty coming up, so I'm gonna see what goes on with that. Oh, that should be exciting. I've made it to jury selection. Yeah. And they tell me if I get on, it's a twenty-five day case. So <laughs> now, we'll see what happens.
0: Now, are you one of those people who's going to try to get off, or are you excited no, to get off? No, I'm on actually a, excited. Yeah. I got
1: to be honest. Like, I was raising my hand, and I was like, "Well, okay. So how? Well, what if I want it?" Because everybody was like, "You know, excuses. I can't do that. I can't do that." And I'm like. And I'm saying, like, look, I have one day that I got to go see my son at parents' weekend at University of Oregon. But other than that, I'm good. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody was looking at me like I was crazy, and I'm sure I'll probably kick myself if I get on it and it's incredibly boring. But uh,
0: we'll see what happens. It could be great material too. Well, that's it. Well, hey,
1: you're always going to get stored. even just sitting in there for the day. I've, I've I had three or four characters that I'm writing down yeah. uh, that I can use later. So
0: I've always uh, I, I hear mixed things about whether or not they choose people with facial hair. Uh, On juries? Yeah,
1: that's a good question. Somebody said that to me last night. They said, you're not going to get picked because of your beard. And I was like, well, I'm not shaving the beard, so we're just going to see what happens. But it could depend on the case, you know? Yeah. I mean, this is like some civil case, they said. I don't know anything about it, but, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe it's like uh, somebody's uh, suing the brawny towel guy (laughs) and— And then they see me as a friendly face. That that would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so one other question: Have you been uh, renting any uh, you know spaces lately? Have you been writing in any guest books? Or I haven't. Has it been a while a, I
1: haven't time? in a little while. But yeah. the funny thing is, is I did after season one. I did go away for a little bit to one place, and uh, I filled in because seven of the ten episodes in uh, season one were from actual stories I left in guest books. And so when I went and rented a place, I wrote a version of one of the episodes that um, episode 5 with Jenna uh, Jenna Fisher I wrote a version of that that I could put in a guest book because I do like leaving them there and knowing that they've all been left there season 2 only 3 of the 10 were from actual guest book stories because I started to run out of them yeah and so I do have to go away. I got to go away and put these in books because there's just something ADD about me, that, or or OCD about me that I need to I need to know that these actually got left somewhere, yeah. even if it's if it's post show. So um, I think I will be uh, depending on the juror. Uh, yeah. duty. I, I, I might be going out and going to some places. Well,
0: So you need to do that, but then you also need to create some news stories as well. So you've got to start renting some spaces. I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, i got to be busy on Airbnb or VRBO and uh, get going. Yeah,
0: yeah. And the other thing is now when you write these, do you put a little like www.tbs.com at the bottom? <laughs> no, it's I like- don't do any promotion. <laughs> I just
1: like it to be to be secret. And, I, and people ask me if I heard anything from anybody about like any feedback and I really haven't other than Garrett Dillahunt stayed in one of uh, the the cabins that I stayed in when we were shooting Guestbook Season 1, just uh-huh. coincidentally. And he walked in, and the, the, the story was still there in their guestbook, the first one I ever wrote. So it's nice to know that they're still out there. That's funny. Your world
0: comes full circle. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Greg. Thanks right. for coming. All right. Thank by. you. Appreciate yeah, it. Definitely. it for this edition of my favorite episode join us again next time as we once again explore another guest pick and be sure to subscribe to my favorite episode on apple Podcasts, stitcher or anywhere you download podcasts also head on over to variety.com for your daily fix of tv news analysis and reviews i'm michael schneider and we'll see you again next time